0: to get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Hi, this is Billy Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats villander This is Mary
1: Carillo. This is Yannick Noah.
0: Hi, this is Chrissy from Sydney, Australia, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast.
2: Well thank you, Chrissy from Sydney. Uh, lovely to have you supporting Tennis Podcast and introducing our show. And if you were wondering why Chrissy is introducing the Tennis Podcast, it's because it is one of the categories of crowdfunding that we included at the end of last year, the start of twenty twenty one, when we crowdfund the whole season and uh So many of you stepped up to show your support for the Tennis Podcast. Chrissy was one of them. And, uh, yeah, she came in at the intro level and will be reconvening at the end of this year, starting in December, in order to have people supporting us, hopefully, next year uh, for 2022. So you'll get your chance to show your support for the show. Um, And, uh, yeah, maybe you could be introducing a show or having a shout-out or having your pet involved. Because these are the important things, Matt you know they sure are <laughs> they are to us otherwise we wouldn't be able to do all this <laughs> and we want to see your donkeys etc uh and uh hear your lovely voices at the start of our show so chrissy thank you so much um we are convening without Catherine today because she is currently in a tv studio or or a, a hair and makeup room getting all ready for the agp finals which are Due to start today, this afternoon in Turin, and Catherine's going to be presenting all of it on Amazon Prime Video in the UK. We are going to talk mainly about the WTA finals, which has continued with another couple of days of play over the last 48 hours in Guadalajara, and a lot's happening. We're trying to do it group stage by group stage, and we'll continue this theme if we can all the way through the ATP finals as well, given that they are overlapping which (laughs) I mean marvellous that they're all being played but my word not even Matt and I with basic blanket viewing and multiple screens up are able to keep across all of the tennis that's gone on in the last few days is that accurate Matt I mean what what what's been the most tricky (laughs) juggling act was it when was it when Stockholm started and then the the next gens and then the WTF finals (laughs) last night all at once oh and you also had to keep across Strictly Come Dancing
1: of course yes uh i think we've had to invent a sort of new thing haven't we every other daily has become our means of trying to keep across these these events um but i think it's i think it's working it's a shame that the hardest one to keep up with for us is the night session in guadalajara because Mm. that looks a really fun time doesn't it guadalajara should say north america let's get out in front of that
2: crikey well done yeah how many emails have we had how many tweets (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it was me everybody who got that wrong i was trying to paraphrase garbany margarutha saying how exciting and wonderful it is to have a a tournament of this ilk in latin america and of course i'd said south america and Catherine tried to dig me out of trouble by saying oh i think that might be central america (laughs) and she got it wrong as well it is North America. So, sorry, everybody in Mexico or anybody who actually understands geography. (laughs) I don't. I did actually get thrown out of (laughs) A-levels, geography. Not not just failed it. I wasn't allowed to take it. Now we know why.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Multitude of errors from all of us. Strong apologies for that. Um, I think two days ago we were convinced by the potential of Guadalajara weren't we we'd seen a little glimpse of it with Mm. Muguruza Pliskova of what it could be that first night session match which was electric and really strong quality but I think the other matches weren't brilliant on the opening two days now I'm just convinced by the whole thing I mean the last three singles matches have been superb the crowd has been loud and generally it's it's been a triumph I think not least because of the way it's been staged at such last minute um and yeah i mean the best thing i can say is that i have i have fomo and not many tennis events during the pandemic have have really given you that i think what's that home. mean matt what's fomo fear of missing out um right. you know ba- basically you just want to be there and i think i felt that during the u.s open and i'm feeling that during guadalajara as well especially those night sessions just just yeah. a fun time
2: yeah, a really fun time. It actually reminded me, and therefore perhaps shouldn't be that much of a surprise, of when Nick Kyrgios was having his run in Acapulco, mm. and how warmly he spoke of that tournament, and and the revelation that happened for Irina Sabalenka last night in front of that that night session crowd really told you everything about what this event has done for the sport, really, and what it is doing for a night out in in guadalajara right now um i mean well, let's just go through yesterday's matches first of all and and i i think one thing we did see i don't know whether you caught this but it was Saturday yesterday and it felt like that things were even elevated more Mm. because it was Saturday and because the afternoon crowd with Paolo Badossa beating Maria Zachary 7664 that had a a good crowd and a a sort of building crowd and it ended up with a really good atmosphere I mean I think Badossa is another very popular player there obviously Spanish and and, and Spanish speaking And, and I think that that was a that's a factor, but I think people were probably coming out because it's the weekend. This is bigger now, and and an opportunity. People probably not at work as much, and and uh, I mean they got an absolutely belting match for a starter. But yeah, the the, the whole place just seems really chuffed to have this event there for a start. That that's that's noticeable. And what what about the the performance of Badossa and, and that match in general, Matt? Where what, what did you think of it?
1: My expectations were high. These were two of the three most informed players, I think, from the first round of matches. Obviously, Annette Kontovate in there as well. And I felt it lived up to those expectations. I thought it was great. You know, obviously a two-set win for Balossa, but it was tight all the way and in the balance. Um, extremely physical match. I think the first set was longer than the entire Kontovate-Pliskova match, which which we'll get on to talking about. But, you know, just a just a battle you know two of the most physically strong players i think on the tour um i felt like it took a little while for badossa to get used to sakari's ball and her speed i think it was the first time they'd met each other and something i noticed was that badossa has great hands i've never Mm. really felt that before because i've thought she was the one dominating the rallies you know on, on clay she's got time on the ball indian wells she was sort of bossing bossing the points but here she was really having to sort of deflect and divert a lot of Zachary's shots. And she was almost taking them as half volleys a lot of the time. And she just has an ability to get herself in position and just use her wrists to get the ball back into court somehow. And I thought that was really noticeable and impressive from her. And she grabbed that first set. Um She then had an opportunity in the second set to really... Sort of slammed the door, double break. Didn't get it. Sakari hung on, got a break back, and then Badossa broke back immediately, and and just about served it out. And it was it was just a just a really great high quality match between between the two of them. Um, I think Badossa served very well, ten aces in all, really high first serve percentage. Sakari's was less good, actually, having having been a real weapon for her in the first round. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it immensely, and I think. Badossa's mental toughness is something she said she's really worked on. It really felt evident in that second set. Whereas Zachary still, I think, needs to figure out some of these big matches. She becomes a little fraught, a little tight, and her decision making maybe goes a bit south. But, you know, generally, I thought it was a great match.
2: Mm. Having good hands is something that I think traditionally people associate with being around the net. Mm. having good drop shots or stop volleys or normal volleys you know that that's what most people tend to think of as having good hands but i think what you're describing is somebody who on the baseline when she's under fire has a way to manipulate the ball back into play and deep and accurately and and sort of diffuse a player because that's something that i was definitely picking up and the two players that really sprung to mind while i was watching her her do that because I agree. I had not really seen that before because usually she's the one in charge and yet here she was. She was under fire and she was soaking it up, quite honestly. The two players that occurred to me, one is obviously the best probably that I've ever seen at that, which is Novak Djokovic, who, again you don't people didn't talk about him as having good hands because he isn't around the net feathering the ball all the time um in a in a sort of flamboyant or elegant way as such although increasingly that's become more of his game in the last 12 18 months i would say but his ability to just you know divert a ball no matter how hard it's coming at him straight back onto the opponent's baseline or past them or over them is is a really key and trademark part of his game. And the other one is Radicanu, who is showing that at the US Open this year, this ability to just doesn't matter what you throw at her, she's got the hands to deal with the, these balls on the baseline.
1: Yeah, and 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 that crouching, I I think Badosa doesn't do it quite as much, but she does get down low. Just incredible leg strength. Um and yeah, it it's interesting about sort of breaking stereotypes, if you like, because that's something Badosa has credited Muguruza with doing for Spanish tennis, you know, in terms of not playing like a typical Spaniard and being really powerful from the baseline and and hitting the ball quite flat, you know, rather than the sort of grinding spin that that has been associated with with Spanish tennis and clay quarters perhaps in general. And I think Badosa seems to have a really nice mix. I think she can go toe-to-toe from the baseline because of her hands. She can she can do that. But we've also seen her on clay, grind it out and play with a lot of spin. I think she's got a really complete game.
2: Mm. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Maria Sakari, I regard her as one of the most exciting players in the world when behind. I just think... And in fact, one of the most exciting sights in tennis, full stop, when she's down. She was 5-2 down in that first set. And then it's... It's like the shackles just come off at that point and she just is cornered and comes out swinging. Mm. And, and she has a, a short-armed backhand sledgehammer jab that she hits cross-court at an acute angle with the, with the ball at its, at its highest, at its apex. And she's able to just arrow it downwards cross-court at an acute angle. And it seems to flummox the commentators as though... <laughs> I mean we we had Sam Smith and Daniela Hantikova commentating on in the UK and and it was though they had not seen a shot like this before that that she trademarked it almost. She's hitting it as flat as a pancake, but her timing is impeccable. And she is so much of a better player than I think people, including myself, realised until recent months. But as you say, she still didn't win this match and that is a theme.
1: Yeah, it's it's almost physics-defying, isn't it, that backhand? It doesn't mm. doesn't make sense how she manages to generate so much pace on it and also hit such an angle with it when she hits it cross-court. Uh, you know, I think her unforced error count ended up pretty high, didn't it? It was towards about 50 in the end, and I thought she probably overplayed the drop shot a little bit down the stretch. But overall, I thought it was another good match from Zachary. You know, as you said, her best came when she was behind in the score and and she was freed and liberated and able to to swing I, I i think she needs perhaps to figure out a way to do that when she's ahead or when it's mm. you know when she's in a position to win the match but gosh it, it was just a spectacle
2: yeah um so that means is that badossa through now into the semi-finals
1: yes she is through and she has topped the group in fact um mm. two straight sets wins which means that the second place will be determined by the winner of Sabalenka Sakari.
2: Okay. Um, and by the way, but also very interesting press comments that she gave in which she, she talked about how COVID and the illness she suffered at the start of this year and all the quarantine period is the moment that she realized that she wasn't mentally tough enough on the court and that and she decided right there and then to work on that. And um, and has become a real mental giant, in all honesty, in some of these matches. The way she dug herself out from 4-2 down against Sabalenka the other day and just kind of reconfigured the way she was approaching the match and, and stayed with Sakari when she was on the offensive at times in this one. She's becoming one of my favourite players to watch, mm. in all honesty. Yeah, I think she's, totally. She's great.
1: And I think that's, you know, again talking about sort of stereotypes i've I've often wondered and i think players are split on how much you can improve that side of your game that mental toughness is it something you have is it something you work on i think you know people recognize you can work on it and improve it but how much i think so kind of always been a bit of a question mark but she's transformed herself it's it's remarkable
2: I think her honesty helps in that regard. I mean, she seems She's so candid in the press conferences and seems to understand herself so well because I think of things she's gone through and difficulties and, and crises and she's ended up needing to dig into the origin of them and the cause of them in order to solve them. And um, I really have a lot of time for, for her as a player and a, and a person from what I'm hearing. Um, and actually on the subject of honesty from players that's what we got from Irina Sabalenka and Igor Svantek after their match and the match was another absolute corker night session match Svantek took the first set 6-2 um, and it was it was going the same way I mean that at that point I think Sabalenka had had lost 16 out of 18 games that she'd played of tennis the most recent games wow. if you think yeah. back to the 10 games in a row that she'd lost in the previous match Against Badosa. Um and she managed to come back. She was down as well in the second set, and then suddenly the crowd got involved and decided: Arena Sabalenka's the woman for them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I don't know which happened first. I don't, I think it was Sabalenka hitting a couple of great shots and and the crowd wanting a contest so getting with her and then she rising to that and whipping them up almost leila fernandez style from Mm. the us open and and it was the start of this incredible relationship between her and the crowd and and she came roaring back to win it six two seven five in the next two sets and this was not sviontek playing badly by any means. She was playing really well. This was There were times when they were both playing good tennis at the same time, which was really exciting. But it was a revelation for Sabalenka. She's never had, in my opinion, she's never had a crowd behind her like that before. And in fact, I can't really recall matches where she's been the one people are cheering for more than the opponents. I mean, it, it almost reminded me of Novak Djokovic's kind of eureka moment at the US Open when he lost the match but got the crowd in the final, you know, and and how much it meant to him. You could see her buzzing, feeling emotional about the fact that a crowd like this was pulling for her because it just never happens. And she just, she became a different player off the back of it. She, she was hitting the ball even harder with more conviction and it was going in. <laughs> Irresistible.
1: Yeah, I can only think of, Examples where the crowd's actually been quite, quite audibly against her, actually, you know, in, in those matches where the crowd has played a part. I, I've i never seen Sambalenka be the favourite. So for her to, I think, sort of stimulate that with her own play um, and then to use it so effectively throughout was really cool to see. And, you know, she did some things in that match, which she rarely does. She won from a set down not something Sabalenka has a great history of doing. And she completely changed the course of a match and flipped her form mid-contest. You know, she took it from a error-prone, erratic performance since she got broken in the first set in a game that included two double faults and a missed smash. And then she became the sort of fearsome, dangerous Sabalenka that we all know she can be. And I think she... I think she realized that she needed to do something because she said, you know, I I sort of gave up in the first match, I think were her mm. words. I didn't want to do that again. I needed to fight and she did.
2: I love that honesty. And and again, that's what she said after it is I'm never going to give up again. Mm. And I and I did give up when I when things were going wrong in the altitude and I could, you know, she admitted the altitude and despite the fact that she was playing at about nine hundred meters above sea level in Madrid this was this is even higher and she just and as you said the other day, she just isn't in good form until this moment where things turned in this match and she found a form and she was fantastic uh, it was a wonderful wonderful spectacle um now. You may remember, I mean that puts Igor Fiontak out of the the event in terms of being able to to qualify for the semis now she's still got a a third match to play, but it's it's effectively meaningless in terms of her hopes of of reaching the semis but you remember may remember a couple of days ago we were talking about how she'd departed the court against Maria Sachary in tears, and how on match point ahead of it she got a time violation because she she couldn't compose herself at the back of the court she was she was weeping uh, while she was trying to get ready to 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 hit the final serve and well this was a very different scene she she departed this court having lost uh, on the scoreboard but she was not despondent in any way and it it was very interesting to to hear her come into the press conference afterwards and she was asked by the journalist Chris Otto what she felt the biggest lesson had been of the past two matches.
3: It's hard to say, but I worked pretty hard during past two days to uh, understand a little bit more of like why uh, I felt so bad during the match against Maria. Um, and like I don't want to make excuses or something. Um, it's really hard to talk about that because I know in sports um, it's it's not that often. But uh, like PMS really hit me that day. So um, um, you know I'm telling this. For any, you know, young girl uh, who doesn't know what's going on, don't worry, it's normal. Everybody has it. So, um, well, for sure, uh, this match during that match it was a little bit easier for me to get um, focused and to keep my mind um, in in good mindset. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I I played really good, but um, for sure. I didn't have, like, a lot of rhythm uh, because also Arena is that kind of player who doesn't let you get that rhythm. And um, I hit a lot of frames. I'm aware of that. But uh, looking at, you know, what I how I felt uh, when I came here and two days ago and also yesterday, um, I feel like I kind of, you know, won today. to uh, one maybe because I won against my stress and a little bit of fear. <laughs> but I lost against Arena. So... At the end, um, I'm going to try to think that this was a positive day and also I can, you know, get experience from all that stuff.
2: I hope that a lot of people hear that answer, Matt, not not only on this podcast and our listeners, but as she said, young girls who might be sort of hearing her words and, and, and the message she's trying to get across and, and to other tennis players and other athletes that she is just open the door really to to what she was going through a couple of days ago and and that the cause of it was PMS and it's uh, I I don't think in all the years I've covered the sport that I've heard a player say that and inevitably it is going to be the case that players performance has been influenced by PMS over over the many years that I've covered this sport and yet we've ne- never heard that now that's up to the individual there's no there's no requirement obligation for a player to reveal that what is a what is a private experience but equally you want a player to be able to say that and the fact that she just has i think may have done an awful lot of good just now
1: yeah you know it was one of those moments where you heard that and you thought wow this is this is moving things forward hopefully players will feel that they can talk about pms in in a way that maybe the environment created in the past hasn't hasn't left them feeling able to talk about it. So, yeah, and I think even the even the second half of that answer, you know, talking about really trying to take the positives from this week, you know, I, there's a line in Ted Lasso where where he says I don't I don't think you realize how psychologically healthy that is. And that, that just sort of reminded me of of that line. Like that's a that's a really good attitude to have I think for Shivamtech I was really encouraged by everything she said I thought it was great
2: mm. yeah and um I I suspect she'll have many more wta finals in the future to play I, I certainly hope so I love watching her and um and actually it was a really fun contest between the two to see them go toe to toe like that and uh yeah but it does mean that it is, is, as Matt says, now a straight shootout for the second qualifying position in the semifinals between Maria Sakkari and Arina Sabalenka. That match will be taking place
1: tomorrow. And, and this is where round robin does bring an, in, an interesting dynamic. You know, I think generally I'm not a massive fan of round robin, but when you get just a pure shootout like this, it's interesting because you've got Sabalenka coming into the match off a victory, riding high. And you've got Sakari, who I think, you know, two days ago was was looking brilliant. But she now comes into this off the back of a loss. It's going to be intense, isn't it? It is. It, it's definitely going to be intense.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, actually, it made me think also about a pro of the round-robin format, which I'm I'm pretty much against overall. I like... Knockout, um, I, because I don't like the the dead rubbers, that, and we're going to get uh, we're going to get one of those in in this group in between Sviantec and Badosa, which won't actually matter in terms of the semi-finals. I don't like doing maths in my head as I often say while watching sport, but we would not have had Sabalenka against Sviantec had this been knockout, mm. and they had a chance at redemption, didn't they? And they, and all the stories, all the positives that we've just been talking about. We would not have had a chance to experience those. So Shut up, David Law
1: <laughs> um, Billie Jean King likes around Robin, doesn't she? Does she? So maybe oh, we well. should uh... I'm not arguing with her. <laughs> <laughs> um, right then,
2: what about the other group? Gabinima Garutha the day before beat Barbora Krichikova two six six three six four Annette Conservate continued her absolute juggernaut path through uh, the draw by beating Karenina Pliskova 6-4-6-love. Pliskova was not good in that second set. Kontervate is just has been awesome, quite honestly. Um, not dropped a set, not come close to dropping a set. Uh, but where are we left
1: in this group? It's complex. <laughs> oh, good. Well... Contavate is through, 100%. Um, Her position in the group is still to be determined. Most likely she's going to finish first, but there is a scenario where she finishes runner-up. I thought, yeah, I I thought she was awesome and that was the first time she'd beaten Pliskova, wasn't it? I think in four meetings, just an indication of the difference about her at the moment, the form of her life. I think, again... It's quite interesting. The task has been so clear for Contevate for weeks. You know, she needed to keep winning matches to even have a chance of getting into the WTA finals. So she was sort of unstoppable all the way up to it. She's continued that momentum through the first two rounds here. Now she's got a match where actually the result isn't as important, and I, I do wonder whether that will sort of play a sort of mental trick with her. You know, if she wins, she knows she tops the group, but if she loses, she knows she's through anyway. So I'm interested to see how she maintains that focus. Um, most likely, it's going to be Muguruza or Pliskova joining her in the semifinals. Krejcikova has obviously lost both of her matches. That was a good match, Muguruza-Krejcikova. Um, they're, they're developing a bit of a rivalry, actually. Four matches this season final in Dubai obviously the aggro match at the US Open and now this three set tussle disappointed to report that there was there was no aggro Um, I I, I did take note of the pre-match photo which was you know Krichikova was all smiles having a great time Muguruza was like no game face on probably still some ill feeling after the US Open seething seething yes Um, (laughs) and Kratikova played the first you know won the first set and looked so much better than in her first match I think you're absolutely right in terms of having maybe an extra match in the doubles and having a winning feeling of the doubles just made her feel better on court she perhaps got a bit more used to the conditions and then really there was a a sort of match within a match at the start of the second set when Muguruza eventually broke after I think six break points 12 minutes just pummeling shots and eventually got the break and that sort of turned it actually in a, a similar way to the way the Sabalenka match turned you know um Muguruza found her game found her form and then her reaction at the end of the match not not often you see that from Muguruza really let it all out you know she knew it was a must win she's got the crowd behind her she openly doesn't like which I think all of this contributed to a really strong reaction which was which was pretty cool to see actually
2: hmm. OK, well, we'll look forward to uh, the uh, the final group matches in that one. And, uh, yeah, I'll leave Matt to work out who's going through and who's not, because I haven't got a clue. <laughs> um, right, what about the doubles, Matt? What what happened
1: overnight and the day before? So the doubles, um, Krejcikova and Siníaková thrashed Shea and Merton 6-3, 6-1. Um, and that means they've qualified with a 2-0 record. The other three teams in their group, so Shea and Mertens, Alexa Garacci and Desiree Kravchik, who beat Sharon Fitchman and Juliana Olmos, um, any of those three can also still qualify. And then in the other group, it's a bit more straightforward. Ayoama and Shibahara have qualified. Zhang and Stoza have been eliminated and the final semi-final spot will come down to the winner of Melikar and Schurz against Jurak and Claypak
2: Okay, I, I'm, I'm with you. Right, okay, well, we'll follow with interest over the next couple of days and we'll have another show uh, in a couple of
0: days' time so we can bring you up to date.
2: Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life, and of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. It's not the end of the tennis, folks, because uh, not only is the ATP Finals about to start today, we've also had Stockholm. And uh, I think we might have told you the other day that Tommy Paul had beaten Andy Murray and played very well in the process. Well, he went and won the title. So, so he's had a good week. He beat uh, Denis Shapovalov, who had won this title before, in the final. Um, so, yeah, Tommy Paul's first big ATP moment, Matt. So he really has had a week.
1: He has, yeah. He beat Murray, Fritz, TFO, and Shapovalov. Um, and he also beat uh, Leo Borg. And um, Thomas Enqvist told him in the trophy ceremony afterwards, "If you beat a Borg in Sweden, you you better win the title." That's exactly what he did. I think. <laughs> Good line, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Paul is is a leading contender in the category of why are they not ranked higher? You know, sort of everything you everything you see suggests that he's a really awesome tennis player he can do so many things with the ball I think you know perhaps I think he's admitted as much it's only been the last few years actually where he's really started to use his talent and work at it in the way that is required to reach the very top of the sport but yeah this is his first ATP title Um, thought he was a better player throughout the match he had multiple break points that he just couldn't convert Shapovalov was serving really well on those points and And it felt like maybe it would be one that slipped away from Paul, but he played just the the most awesome final two games, won them both to love, to break, and then to hold, to win the match. Um, And yeah, I just didn't necessarily think he had it in him at the moment to string together wins like this in in the way that he has this week. I thought it was really, really impressive from him. Um, And I think he's back inside the top 50 now, and I'm, I'm just excited about what he could do next season. You know, he's had a really good year this year, but I'm convinced he can be higher than top fifty. You know, I, I really think top twenty is is not beyond the realms of possibility for for Tommy Paul with his game. Um for Shapovalov, he needed this week, I think, after a really poor run of form. Almost felt like his his identity was a bit threatened in that final because Paul was actually just as good a shot maker as, as Shapovalov. And if, if Shapovalov's not the best shot maker on the court, then sort of, what is he? Um, <laughs> he, he battled hard. He was sort of almost comically pumped throughout the whole thing. I, I don't think he's figured out the best on-court demeanour. He's tried being really calm. No. That doesn't work. And now he seems to be trying just pumped on every point and sort of screaming the whole time i, I find it what a little Kev- bit of an uncomfortable watch
2: kevin anderson night like, sort of 2018 yeah, style sort or whatever of, it was.
1: yeah kind of faking it um i mean he competed so well and i was impressed by that but i almost think when i've heard players say if you're if you're that pumped right from the start of the match you've got nowhere to go and he almost he almost mm. didn't have anywhere to go and and he was sort of being being a bit sarcastic with his team. And, I, I you know, I'm wary of sort of criticising that because we've seen Andy Murray do that and it's generally worked for him in his career. But I, I think you have to be exceptional to make that work, to be so sort of volatile and, and turn that mm. into a positive. And I still think Shapovalov's figuring that out.
2: must be exhausting, mm. if
1: nothing else.
2: Uh, how's Tommy Paul's rapping? You know, if you want to say, well, what is he?
1: Um, <laughs> That's true. Shapovalov, yeah. he can, he's still got that.
2: Yeah. Uh, in Linz, <laughs> Alison Risk won the title, the American Alison Risk, who who likes a sort of, she hits a flat ball, doesn't she? So I suspect the old indoor courts in Linz were her to, to her liking.
1: Yes. And and she'd really struggled, I think, since the pause last year. she She mm. hasn't really had any results of, of note whereas 2019 was a really good season for risk so this is this is cool to see her back to winning ways
2: yeah uh and at the next gen finals carlos alcaraz won the title beating seb corda in the final straight sets or well sort of Offsets. you know those first first of four things um he won three of them and uh, so alcaraz really doing what i think when you when you look at the draw at the outset and realise he's there, you think Carlos Alcaraz should be winning this, which is exactly what I remember saying about Stefano Tsitsipas about three years ago, and he did. And the the following year, I didn't know as much about Yannick Sinner in honesty, in 2019 ahead of that event, but everybody was talking about him and saying this guy is 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 a is a big player of the future. And that was the event I remember watching and thinking, I I, I get the point now. Mm. I see what you're, I see what you're saying, and he won that. And all of the winners of the next gen finals, if you go right back to the first one in with uh, Hyun Chung, have all gone on to do something, haven't they? Because Chung followed that next-gen finals by reaching the semifinals of the Australian Open. He beat uh, Novak Djokovic and Alexander Zverev along the way and Daniel Medvedev Mm. um, before eventually losing in the semifinals. Um, He he had the the terrible blisters, if you remember, against Roger Federer. I mean, it's it's terribly sad that Chung has just had his career completely derailed by injury. I don't think he's played the sport for, for, well, for over a year since Roland Garros last year, I think it was. Um, But the event is kind of fulfilling its purpose isn't it and and those winners and this one as well alcaraz i i think i like that about it that these guys come in i think they only want to play it and win it once and then they think right now I'm moving on i'm going to be in the main deal next year but it's a big it's a big box to tick for them
1: 100% yeah and i think Sitsapas, pass he won the next gen in 2018 he then Won the ATP Finals, didn't he in 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 2019? Yeah, Sinner obviously has, has been interrupted by by COVID, but he's an alternate now at at the first ATP Finals that he sort of could have got into after after winning the Next Gen. And I would not be surprised if if Alcaraz continues that and gets to Turin next year. I think really impressive, actually, considering the last time we'd seen Alcaraz was was that moment in in Paris, which you spoke about with Catherine on Monday, where the crowd were against him. It was a tough, tough experience for him. And ultimately, I think that's an experience that makes you stronger in the long run. But I perhaps expected there to be some short-term impact on him. And yet it didn't seem like there was. It seemed like he'd put it behind him, moved on from it. And yet just, just asserted himself as, okay. I think the youngest player in that field. But the best quite frankly and gosh yeah i mean we didn't see his full potential on the clay this year he was not getting into all the events because of where his ranking was but the thought of having a full clay court season ahead of him plus what he's gone on to do on hard courts um i I can't help but get carried away by alcaraz I, i was just watching him this week and i i just texted a friend saying over and under five and a half majors for Alcaraz, you know, just just seeing one shot, I'm like I'm like having that sort of conversation with myself.
2: Uh, and what did you go with?
1: I went over.
2: <laughs> wow. Uh, when was it? I said he's going to
1: win it, win Roland Garros by. I think uh, you said four years. Okay. Which tell you what, that's it's looking pretty good actually. That I mean, <laughs> that prediction.
2: He's going to do it inside that, I
1: think. I mean, I'm very aware that six majors, I think, puts him in like top fifteen in the Open era for men.
2: Boris Becker level. Yeah, you know, we're talking about
1: an <laughs> unbelievable career, but it feels like okay, cliche. Feels like the sky's the limit for him. He's just awesome. Oh,
2: I do like your excitement about Alcaraz. <laughs> I share. I share it. I must say. Uh, right, well, the actual big deal of the ATP final starts today as well, um, with a day session featuring Nikola Mektic and Mate Pavic against Kevin Kravets and Haraya Takao uh, in the doubles. That's followed by Hubert Hurkacz against Daniil Medvedev, who's the defending champion. The night session in Turin is... Going to begin with Marcel Granoez and Horacio Zabayas against Ivan Dodik and Philip Polisek. So he's made his choice and he is going to play with Ivan Dodik and take him to the ball.
1: Excited to see how that par- partnership pans out.
2: Will they be on speaking will, terms? Will they be
1: communicating? <laughs>
2: Well, they do the little hand tap and they've just lost the point like every doubles team does. Anyway, we'll find out. And that's followed by the singles match between Matteo Berrettini and Alexander Zverev in Turin. And then the other group takes place tomorrow. So Catherine will be presenting that on Prime Video in the UK. And we'll be watching and cheering her along. And uh, we still get quite pumped that she's on the telly, quite honestly.
1: uh... I'm excited I get to watch. I couldn't watch Paris being in... uh being in prague wasn't available to me so it's great yeah it is it is indeed
2: um and we will finish this show with a story that is not so nice and which is frankly shocking and frightening um it is a report that initially surfaced um last week and I'll read this out to you from CNN, which, uh, which tells you where we're up to with it and uh, the allegations involved in it. A Chinese tennis star's explosive MeToo allegation against a former state leader has been muffled by blanket censorship, with authorities racing to wipe out any mention of a politically sensitive scandal that has reverberated across the Chinese internet, CNN reports. Peng Shui, 35, a former Wimbledon and French Open doubles champion, on Tuesday accused retired Vice Premier Zhang Gaoli of pressuring her into having sex, according to screenshots of a since-deleted post from Peng's verified account on Weibo, China's Twitter-like social media platform. CNN could not independently verify the authenticity of the more than 1,600-word post and has reached out to Peng for comment, as well as China's State Council Information Office, which handles press inquiries for the central government. And then in a, in a section headlined Blanket Censorship, it reads, As Peng's allegations made waves online, censorship kicked in with a speed and ferocity unseen in any of the country's previous Me Too cases. Her lengthy post, published shortly after 10pm on Tuesday, was deleted in under 30 minutes. Screenshots of it had initially circulated widely across social media and in private chat groups, but soon they were censored too, along with other posts discussing the case. Pung's verified account, which has more than half a million followers, remains on Weibo as of Wednesday evening, but it has been blocked from searches. All comment sections under her previous posts have been shut down too. And in a sign of the unprecedented level of censorship, even a Weber discussion page about tennis was closed for comments. And obscure references to the scandal were removed too. The Daily Mail have since reported, a couple of days ago, that the athlete has not been seen since. So, I mean, it is immensely worrying and concerning. Um, we haven't heard anything else um, We've only been able to follow these couple of reports. I know that uh, Elise Corne uh, tweeted about Peng Shui today uh, or last night and and a couple of other people have as well. Um, I have written a note to the WTA just to ask if they know anything, what they know, if there's anything they have to say. I haven't had a response just yet. I mean, I only sent that a few hours ago. But uh, if I do get a response, uh, we'll we'll report that here. Um, But, well, all I can say is I hope Peng Shui is okay. Um, and, um, and we hear news of her, positive news soon. So um, that's another tennis podcast done and dusted for today. Lots of tennis is going to continue this week. We'll be back in a couple of days' time with another edition of the Tennis Podcast, bringing you up to date with the final group stage matches from the WTA finals and the first group stage matches from the ATB finals. We're having to do a bit of working out as to when to record, Matt, so that everything's relevant, given one's events through the day our time and the other one's through the night um our time. But. We'll try and fit them in. <laughs> we'll try and keep across it all. I think we might need to divide and conquer, Matt. You watch one. I'll watch the other. Uh, we'll occasionally ask Catherine what's going on.
1: That work? Sounds good, yes. I, um, I'm anticipating some night shifts this, this mm. week because I think yes. uh, the latter stage of the WTA finals, a lot of that's at night, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and it's, it's becoming unmissable it is really isn't it in how it feels it's like i don't want to not watch this live because this is is proper sport and it's intense and it's exciting and we love it (laughs) right (laughs) Uh, okay well we hope you are too we hope you're enjoying the show generally we want to say a big thanks to chris our executive producer and top bloke our lovely mascots the donkeys ernest and chester uh, which are up on Instagram in their full glory. Uh, Billie Jean King sponsors Billie Jean the dog, who's had her first birthday recently. Scouse and Mousel is Matt's mascot. Rogue is mine. Zeus is
1: Catherine's. And we have a shout out, Matt. We do for the magnificently named Patrick Yakmak. Oh, awesome.
2: Cheers, Patrick. I don't have any reference that I can go with that, but. Uh, no, lots of cool Patrick's. Name. Not many yeah. Yak-Maks. Uh I know. Have we have we got any tennis playing, Patrick?s I can't Patrick think of any. Patrick McEnroe. McEnroe, quite right. Well, I'll do. Moratodly.
1: <laughs> Let's go yeah. with McEnroe.
2: There's a few. <laughs> There's a few. Um, so, Patrick, thank you so much for your support. Um, and as mentioned at the start of the show, we will be opening the floodgates for anybody who wants shout outs and intros and mascots in 2022 we do that at the start of december so just a few weeks away we'll let you know once that's all up and running but well we we can't thank you enough for your support it it, it overwhelms us every year we're, we're hugely grateful and yeah hope you enjoy the rest of the tennis for the next couple of days and we will be back with you in a couple of days time
0: Even on a budget.